My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungi AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW? Are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voices of Wrestling Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I am joined as always by my very good friend and co-host Kelly. Kelly, happy WrestleMania weekend. Happy WrestleMania weekend. It's WrestleMania, baby. Woo! Of course, everyone remembers Big Show with that famous quote said in uh WWF New York. Everyone remembers that. Sure. Just go on YouTube uh, and look up Big Show WrestleMania Baby Woo and you'll find it. Kelly and I, I know, have been watching a lot of wrestling this weekend. And we are actually going to talk about all the Joshi action that has been happening this WrestleMania weekend. On the show, we will be covering each and every Joshi match and show that have happened in depth on this show. So you can look forward to that. We'll be talking some Stardom Cinderella Tournament, as well as a number of upcoming shows. Before we get into it, of course, follow us on Twitter at Audio. You can follow Kelly at Comic Geek Kelly. And you can follow me at TayMambo. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice, and if that app of choice happens to be Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate a five-star rating and review, and if you're feeling extra generous, you can donate to the show at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping dash bomb dash audio. So let's get right into it. WrestleMania weekend shows. We kicked off on March 29th. We're going to be talking three matches that neither of us have seen, and actually most of the world has not seen. The first one, the Relentless Wrestling Show on March 29th, 
had a four-way match where Tokyo Joshi superstar Billy Starks defeated Act Yasukawa, Brooke Havoc, and Kid Bandit in 11 minutes and 12 seconds. Looked up information about the show. I actually think it did stream on Twitch, which I was not aware of until I was looking up information for the show. But the promotion has said that they are looking for somewhere to post the show that may be IWTV. It may be somewhere else unknown, but this match should come out at some point or another. Um, We will have to see. It isn't available um, in a sort of VOD on Twitch, unfortunately, because that is where they originally streamed. The other show on the 29th was Pandemonium Pro Wrestling's Best Damn Thing. On March 29th, there was a tag team match, Heather Monroe and Steph DeLander defeating the tag team of Kid Bandit and Maki Ito, as well as a Pandemonium Pro title Rumble Riot match that featured act Yasukawa. Uh, That show did not air live, uh, but Pandemonium Pro has said that Both of those matches and the shows that they were on will be going up on IWTV. I think they're part of a sort of TV airing schedule. So I don't know if the whole show will go up at once or if individual matches will be cut up and posted at different times. Don't know, but they have said they will be going up on IWTV in the next few weeks. So three matches there that hopefully we will be able to see. In the upcoming days and weeks, the first match we could see was actually a match that was taped prior to WrestleMania weekend, but did air on March 30th. It was from the 972nd episode of Impact Wrestling, a singles match Miyu Yamashita defeating Killer Kelly in 10 minutes and 14 seconds. Kelly What did you think of our first officially aired match, officially aired Joshi match of WrestleMania weekend? I thought this was great. Uh, This was a tremendous showcase for Miu and was probably the best introduction she's had on an American TV show yet. Even like just this was so much better than the Thunder Rosa match. This I'm going to assume was better than the Shaz and McKenzie match we'll talk about in a little while. This was great. Uh, she and Killer Kelly had a really good chemistry. Just their styles mesh- meshed really well. And like, if you've never seen Miu before, this is your perfect first impression. Like, I loved this. What do you think? I really liked it. I thought it really picked up after the... Um, I don't know what the official name for the move is, but the sort of step-up kick that she does that she did off the apron this time instead yeah. of off the ropes. Um, I thought it really picked up from there. I thought also the finish was really great um, with the skull kick um, to Killer Kelly giving me the win. I thought the announcers did a really good job um, putting me over. Um, There was a lot of, you're going to hear about a lot of different shows on this show. Um, And all of those shows had different announcers with sort of different um 
skill levels and interest levels in Joshi and knowledge levels about Joshi, um, both good and bad. And I thought that this was a good start. They really put over Yamashita, um, you know, had the correct information, made her seem like a big deal. And obviously she got the win here. So uh, I agree, a good debut for Miyu on this uh, episode of Impact. Yeah, no, they and it made me think, hey, the next match that we're going to talk about at the Impact uh, New Japan show, I was like, oh, cool, they're setting up Miyu, she's going to win here too, and then move on to a title shot. Uh, that didn't happen. The next match was, we're sticking in the world of Impact Wrestling, but adding, uh, it was the Impact Wrestling and New Japan Multiverse United only the strong survive from March 30th. This did air live, so the first uh, officially aired Joshi match of the weekend. It was a four-way match to become the number one contender for the Knockouts Championship. Diana Parazzo defeating Giselle Shaw, Masha Slamovich, and Miyu Yamashita in nine minutes and 20 seconds. I thought this match was pretty fine. Um, didn't go too long. Uh, Miu and Diana had a sequence sort of midway through the match where they clearly were not on the same page. Um, Diana was supposed to sort of stand for the um, that rope kick that Miu does and didn't know, I think just was not aware of where she should have been. She was in the corner, then Miu took her out, then she tried to go back in the corner. Um you know, and with four people and only nine minutes, not a lot um, for me to do. But I thought she looked good here. The announcers, once again, um, similar announcers to the episode of Impact. So I thought they did well putting her over. But just sort of a match that I watched and was like, no, mm, okay, fine. And, you know, Deanna, Deanna Wiz winning is sort of like, oh, okay, you know, maybe they just wanted me to fill out the fill out the numbers. Yeah, it was definitely... Uh just it, it was an unremarkable match really it, it happened and it ended and like well shit i i three stars i don't know like it wasn't good it wasn't bad it was it was fine it was good i was all right i i enjoyed it well enough everyone played their roles well and it just it gets covered up by a lot of other really good stuff from the weekend <laughs> yeah and it's one of those things where i didn't watch this whole i didn't watch the whole show i just watched this match um so i don't know how it felt sort of in the flow of the show um itself whether it you know just sort of went along and people were like oh okay and kept going this yeah, was the only was match i watched so i don't really know yeah <laughs> yeah it just kind of happened and we moved on to the next thing the next two matches both appeared on the most recent episode of Ring of Honor Television, Ring of Honor on Honor Club number five. Both, like that Impact match, were taped earlier in the week, but aired on March 30th. The first one, a singles match, another singles match for Miyu Yamashita, defeating Shaza McKenzie in a mere four minutes and 45 seconds. Thought this match was, for the most part, fine until right at the end um, and the finish. You know, Miyu, a lot of her stuff 
you know, a lot of the kicks look good often, but then there's from time to time, and anyone who's sort of watched a lot of Miu matches knows what I'm talking about. There's the moments when you just get the perfectly delivered kick with a great sell, and that was the end of the match. Um, with Miyu giving, uh, delivering the skull kick to Shaza and Shaza selling it like she had just been like killed. And <laughs> it was a great, like great finish. I actually saw it before I watched the match because it had been sort of going around on Twitter, uh, with people being like, wow, what a great looking finish. And I agree. Um, it looked great. The rest of the match sort of not much to say only under five minutes. But really, that finish establishes Miyu and establishes her. She will be getting a um, a title shot, a Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor Women's title shot this upcoming week. Um, they'll be taping that at the next episode of AEW, and it will be airing on Thursday, the sixth, um, on Honor's on Honor Club. So that will be good. The other match on that show was for the Ring of Honor Women's World title, Athena successfully defending her title against Emi Sakura in 8 minutes and 29 seconds. And Kelly, I have to say, this might be my Joshi match of the weekend. It's up there. This was fantastic. <laughs> another another win, uh, check in the win column from us that they should uh, keep using Emi Sakura on AEW and now Ring of Honor TV because she's great. Uh, fucking what a match. <laughs> Just a match where I, I think a lot of times when Joshi wrestlers come over, and I think I may have talked about this on the show before, I think there's sort of a belief where it's like, okay, I'm going to America. I don't know these people. I should sort of like not pull your punches, but sort of like, hey, let's play it easy. Um you know, these are new people. I haven't worked with them before. I'm just going to sort of go at their pace. Work a little softer, brother. Yeah. I think between this match and the match with um, Jamie Hayter, that was at this point, what, a couple months ago. Yeah. Um, Emmy has now moved past that stage <laughs> um, because between the, the Jamie Hayter match and this match, I mean two matches where they went out and they're like, we're just going to beat the shit out of each other. Um, just like great Emmy stuff. I mean, Emmy is so good at, I mean, not only the in-ring stuff, but just all the little things that really make a match really exciting and sort of draw you in. You know, obviously everyone knew that Athena wasn't losing the title here. She had a title defense the very next day. Um, but still a match where I was like, yeah, this is really great. Uh, Athena worked really hard. They did some really cool stuff. I mean, the um, that shotgun drop kick on the outside where Emmy went into the um, side of the ring looked really great. They did the crossbody on the, you know, propped up against the stairs. So I just thought it was really good. I think I went four and a quarter. That's um, where I'm at, too. On the match, I just thought it was really good. You had some additional, a uh, little bit of May Saruga action in there. Um, you know, 
I think it was also helped by the fact that it just felt like, oh, this is just uh, this is just a tune-up match for the pay-per-view, and then it's like, oh no, wait, this is like a legitimate title match. This is this is not what I was expecting, and they're killing each other, and this is awesome. And it sucks that I think this match for sure is just gonna get lost in the weekend, just because there's so much other stuff, and people are gonna skip over it because you know it's Ring of Honor TV. It's glorified dark for the most part but goddamn, take some time out of your day and watch this i didn't realize it was only it was below 10 minutes they packed so much into this match it felt it felt longer than that yeah and i have to say i totally agree with you that it was like okay it's an episode of tv right before the pay-per-view is happening you know many other things were happening if it were me you know i don't know if this really counts um I mean, this episode of Ring of Honor might be in my top three shows from the weekend. (laughs) I mean, these two matches, they had, you know, going outside of Joshi for a moment, they had a really good Vikingo uh, match against Blake Christian on there. It was just like a really good episode, Um, really good wrestling, especially compared to some of the dregs that um, I've encountered over the... uh, over the weekend, I guess I'll say. <laughs> um, but yeah, just a really strong um, episode, a really strong title match. It makes me really excited for, because I'm going to AEW on Wednesday, so I will be there um, to see the Miu title um, defense. And it yeah, makes me excited that, that great. Like, I'm like, oh, it will be presented in a way that they can go out there and like have a title match that's interesting and it isn't just like a dark sort of thing where it's like okay we go out you know i'll put my title you know quote unquote i put my title on the line and it's just sort of like a go through the motions five minute match that doesn't matter i think athena's gonna you know i think athena's been a really great champion she's had really good matches and i think she goes out there and wants to i think she's excited to sort of have these good matches with you know, these Joshi wrestlers. So I think that match could be really good too. For sure. And we got to talk about uh, when Yuka comes out to make the save after Athena attacks Emi Sakura after the bell. Yuka's it, outfit was something else. It was wild. I, I legitimately showed it. I found someone who like clipped the post-match attack because I was like, you have got to see this outfit. <laughs> Her pants looked like she's like gonna be smuggling two liter bottles of four of a uh, Fago in there, just like an XXL pant, an XXL <laughs> jacket, and a sports bra. Yeah, amazing. I was like, wow, truly, as the kids say, drip. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next show was the DDT Goes Hollywood show, also on March thirtieth. Had one. Uh, Joshi match Saki Akai appearing defeating Vert Vixen friend of the podcast Vert Vixen in six minutes and seven seconds Kelly I'll let you go first on this one I mean I don't know going up against Saki Akai it's hard for Vert Vixen to come off as the more vertical Vixen here Saki Akai definitely more vertical Uh, again I'll, I'll say we don't know that Vert stands for vertical I'm just going to leave that out there. Could it be short for her first name? Like, could her name be Vernice? And then her friends are like, hey, Vert. 
And you're like, oh, I, I'm you're like, wow, she's a vixen. She's. I'm trying to decide vixen. if it's more unlikely that her name would be Vernice or that her <laughs> friends would then decide to call her Vert. Well, what if they're like she? What? If, okay, let's say she was like she dated a guy whose name was Ernie, and they're like, "Hi, you're Vert and Ernie." Um, that seems look, unlikely to look, me. Look, until I'll she say, corrects us, us I'm just going to wildly speculate. <laughs> she uh, had her chance, and she blew us off. So we're going to discuss whether or not she's a Vert and Ernie or Vertical. Or what's another V name? Are there any other V names? Well, there would be like Vanessa. Yeah, okay. That doesn't work with that one. <laughs> um, Vertnessa. <laughs> is there any V-E first names that I can think of? Yeah, I got nothing. I had Vernice and that's it. But anyways, anyway. this match was, uh, it, I don't know, two and a half star special. Felt like an episode of AEW Dark. Um, yeah, I thought it was fine. I thought the most surprising thing was when the commentators, and I don't know what order this happened in, but the commentators announced that Vert Vixen was going on a tour of Tokyo Joshi, a thing that I didn't know about before the match. Um, and we'll yeah, I hadn't heard that either. Shows. But I was like, oh, she is? Uh, <laughs> news to me. Um, yeah, but I agree with you. It was, um, cause this was sandwiched between the opener and then pheromones was right after this, wasn't it? It sure was, I think. So it was a match that was, uh, <laughs> I guess quickly overshadowed. Um, I guess I'll, I'll put it to put it simply. Um, very, gl- very glad this is not a podcast that tasked me with reviewing the two pheromones matches of the weekend. You know what? Let's um, do it. Let's review, let's review no, the two no. uh, pheromones matches. I will not allow that to happen. Which did show. you like more, the first or the second one? I actually didn't watch the second one. I watched um, some of the second one. I was watching it at work when the store was empty, but then some kids walked in and I turned it off. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> um... Also on the 30th, our last match of March 30th was at the March Hitchcock, Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show. It was a 10-woman tag team match, a Tokyo Joshi Showcase, Hyper Masao Mizuki, Shoko Nakajima, Yuki Aino, and Yuki Kamafuku defeating Hikari Noah, Naokakuda, Miyu Watanabe, Raku, and Rika Tatsumi in 14 minutes and 23 seconds i thought this was really a great match yeah it was super fun a really good showcase everyone got like their moment in the spotlight and you got a you got a good like introduction for who they are as a wrestler in this match i thought they did a really good job of that and being like okay this is what this person does this is what this person does like that was really nice and a rare occasion where all of the up up girls are on the same team you don't really see that very often. Uh oh yeah, you're right. Um I wasn't even thinking about that. Yeah, they like they very rarely tag together, I've noticed. So it was it was cool to see them all on the same team. I thought the crowd was really responsive to the match, which yes. really helped it. I went four stars because I thought it was just like a super fun match. I thought the crowd really helped because the crowd was into what was happening. 
you know, it could have been they come out, you know, it's between all these matches that people are going nuts for, and they could have come out and been like, oh, okay, you know, just get it in. Everyone was very responsive. Big reaction for the Miu double swing, um, which looked really great, uh, as it always does. Really liked, uh, was really happy to hear Veda Scott on commentary, who was clearly very excited to call the match um, and is clearly a fan of Tokyo Joshi. So that was very uh, good to hear. And schooling uh, Ian Ian Riccoboni a little. Yeah, it sounds like Ian might be uh, firing up the old Wrestle Universe soon. He seemed to have a good time with this match. Yeah, so uh, I thought this was great. A good kickoff to uh, Tokyo Joshi's weekend. And speaking of Tokyo Joshi's weekend, the next show was Tokyo Joshi live in Los Angeles on March 31st. A whole show, full show of Tokyo Joshi kicked off with, of course, a performance of from the Up Up Girls, which I was very afraid the announcers were going to speak through the entirety of, <laughs> um, but they did um, end up not doing that. But then, uh, poor the the fucking the mics were not were not great. I mean, if you want shows that have functional, good working mics, and I'm talking about almost every show on this weekend, this is not a weekend for you. No, I think every show I watched had at least one incident of a microphone not working. Yeah, it was like insane. It's like crazy to me. Yeah, I don't um, get it. Because in this match, uh, or not in this match, in this performance, Miu was so much louder than the other two. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you're a big fan of Miyu Watanabe, especially during the Up Up Girls performances, this is the show for you because <laughs> she was the only one you could hear. And you could hear her very clearly. Yeah. Um, but, but man, I they were just having fun. They were having a great time. Yeah, clearly very happy to be here again another you know more obvious this time but a very responsive crowd and a full crowd i mean the crowd looked great um yeah show kicked off with a tag team match free wi-fi hikari noah and now kakuda defeating daisy monkey arisa endo and suzume in 11 minutes and 37 seconds i thought this was a great kickoff to the show and this was my favorite second favorite match on the entire card you know, I th yeah, I'd agree with you. It was a really good high-energy match, just perfect way to kick off the show. And we got the cool reveal that Suzume's gear glows in the dark. Yeah, very uh, cool-looking. I just think this was the right foursome to kick off with. Yeah. Uh, Endo and Suzume are a great, you know, Akari and now also very good so it was like the right energy they were clearly hyped up to be there they were like let's go out and have a good match and they did mm -hmm. yeah um, no i was very happy with this opener the next match was our first singles match of the afternoon and in a shocking and in a result that in seemed to infuriate the crowd <laughs> um <laughs> Janai Kai defeated Yuki Kamafuku in only five minutes and 11 seconds, a result that the crowd heartily booed. Um, really showing the the true fandom, the Tokyo Joshi fandom in the crowd. Um, I thought this match was fine. Yeah. 
It's weird that Camus took this fall and then the la- last week when we t- or last episode when we talked about the show where she was tagging with Billy Starks, she took the fall there too. Like what the hell? Maybe she's leaving the territory. That's kind of what I'm worried about. I hope not. I don't know. Maybe they just really like Janai. Maybe. I mean, they did give her a title shot, so they uh for the international title, what was that, like a couple weeks back. So I guess they do think highly of her. Yeah, but, um, yeah, now that you say that, I hadn't thought about that other um, pin that we had talked about. Um, we'll have to sort of keep our eye on that. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, the next match was another tag team match, Hyper Masao and the, I guess, debuting Hyper Trish, <laughs> as she was um, christened by Hyper Masao, defeating Raku and Yuki Aino in 9 minutes and 16 seconds. Very classic Hyper Masao, Hyper Masao getting to do her... Uh, usual intro in english although the mics were so bad that um it was almost more difficult to hear it in english than it usually is in japanese (laughs) a language i don't really speak yeah uh she was clear on the on the um super show she was more clear than Mm -hmm. she was here on the super show i could sort of hear her this one i was sort of like huh what got the hyper trish uh trishador putting on the I guess a takeoff on the Hyper Masao mask. Um, but this just sort of the middle of the card fun match to me. I mean, this was sort of like the classic Tokyo Joshi character-based match. And people, I mean, people seem to like it at least two yeah. b- beloved sort of characters of, of Tokyo Joshi lore. Um, and I've liked, I've liked Trish in Tokyo Joshi as well, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, she and Masao are a fun team. I hope we see that again. And uh, I thought Raku and Yuki both worked really hard in this match, too. Yeah, it's sort of an interest. You know, it's interesting they all came over individually. But sort of looking at it, I'm like, it isn't all that, you know, thinking of like Billy, Trish, Janai. I'm like, it's not a terrible roster of sort of foreign people yeah. to come over. Um they're all sort of interesting to me. You know, I don't think necessarily I'm like, oh, they're the greatest wrestlers I've ever seen, but they're all interesting characters. And they work, yeah, they work with the company. Like they just, they fit in. Yes. And I'm sort of more interested in that than um, in what another company's doing, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, that's now looking at the card, I didn't even. I didn't even think about it. Like any of the outsiders from the company are people that have worked Tokyo Joshi very recently. So it felt like an authentic Tokyo Joshi show. Yeah. There was no one who, um, there was no one who hasn't worked the company. And it's funny because Janai Kai was supposed to, I believe back in 2020 when they were going to do the WrestleMania show, she was going to get the, international princess title shot but she hadn't worked in tokyo joshi before um so she sort of comes back but now she's worked so she's part of the roster yeah no that's a that's cool i like that 
The next match, another tag team match, the Wasteland War Party, the former tag team champions, Heidi Howitzer and Max the Impaler, defeating Miyu Watanabe and Shoko Nakajima in 11 minutes and 51 seconds. Kelly, no sign of the previously, uh, the previous friction between Heidi and Max on this yeah. show, which I yeah, was slightly I think... surprised to see. Yeah, I think I just read too much into that shoving after the match and the after the title match. Just chalk it up to Max being upset at losing the title, I guess. I just thought, oh, that would be a way to give Miu and Shoko a win. Yeah. Without sort of doing... Because Tokyo Joshi really isn't a company where it's like, oh, I hop up on the apron and you're distracted and you lose. Like, that isn't really a thing they do. So I thought, oh, that could be a way they could sort of get around it. Um, but they didn't. Um, I like this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. Heidi, um, if you looked at her, Twitter was clearly, clearly really enjoys working Tokyo Joshi and was very happy to do the show. Uh, another very impressive giant swing from Miyu. Oh, yeah. And, and like two impressive giant swings of totally different... Um, Sort of like what they are. One, yeah. a double swing. One of a very a person very much larger than Miyu. Um, and I think Miyu is just, I mean, based on the Super Show and this, I mean, she feels like people are into her. Like, yes. she was the star of the weekend, it felt like, in a way. She hasn't been to America before. People know her. She does these spots that are really, you know, doing the slams, doing the swing that are really impressive. So if you don't know her, you're like, whoa, this is really good. Um, so another moment where I'm like, me use a star. It's really nice that Tokyo Joshi can run a show in WrestleMania weekend. And it feels like everyone that's there knows exactly what they're in for and is a fan of the company. Like that, that is so cool. Yeah, I think partially the value of having um, your events on a very accessible streaming service. Yeah. Um, as uh, Veda Scott said at the end of the at the end of the match on the Super Show, one of the best streaming services out there because you can get DDT, Noah, Gambare Pro, and Tokyo Joshi all on Wrestle Universe, and I think that that really helps. I think it also has helped. You know, I don't know what the numbers are. But I think it probably does help getting Yuka over, getting Miyu over, getting Maki over to have people say, oh, where are they from? Oh, they're from Tokyo Joshi. I think in years past, the sort of thought was any woman who showed up from Japan was from stardom. Yeah. Uh, and people would just sort of be like, oh, they're st a stardom wrestler. Um, and before that, I, it was just, oh, they're from New Japan. <laughs> yes, uh, that as well. Um, but I think they have really distinguished themselves and people now know about Tokyo Joshi. Maybe they're not necessarily watching every show, but they're very aware. They know who these people are and they're fans, clearly, as we saw from the show. Mm -hmm. What do you think of this match? I thought it was good. I thought it was a really good match. Uh, nothing like amazing, but, you know, just... A, a good, a big win for Wasteland War Party, which tells me that they're at this point now they're going to stay in the tag title mix. I mean, they almost can't 
not be in the tag. T- you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's more like they're going to stick around rather than oh yes, just sure. be in the mix. Because, you know, it, with the just being the outsiders, there's always the possibility. It's like, all right, when are they just going to stop getting booked or just stop being able to come over? So it looks like they're in the plans. The semi-main event of the show was our first of two title matches, the International Princess title, Rika Tatsumi, new champion, successfully defending her title against Billy Starks in 8 minutes and 44 seconds. And of course, the thing we have to talk about with this match is the classic uh, Billy Starks Tokyo Joshi moment, match moment, where you go, oh no, oh no, oh no, and then it's fine. Yeah. Which in this match was the catch on the German suplex, Billy Starks falling backwards and just killing Rico with a German suplex. Yeah, I give Billy so much credit for saving that spot. <laughs> like that was that was one of the best spots of the weekend right there. I mean, it looked it looked gnarly when it happened, and I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um <laughs> I think to me, if I had to rate it, this would probably be the third of the three. You know, I think her title match against Yuka was probably her best match. Yes. In the company. And I did like that tag match that they did at Grand Princess. I thought this was mostly just sort of fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was much less, you know, Janai beat Yuki and maybe that was part of it. Maybe the company wanted to do that to sort of set up like, oh, well, Billy could win. I didn't really ever feel like Billy was going to win this. No. Uh, It seemed very highly unlikely. Um, So I think there was that. It was a pretty short match. But I mainly just thought, and I think Billy was also wrestling like 8 billion matches on the (laughs) weekend. So I'm sure she didn't want to go out and be like, okay, let me really empty the gas tank, which I don't blame her at all. Mm -hmm. But I just thought it was sort of a fine outing yeah no i'd agree i went three and a quarter on it it was a fine match with a really really high point to it with that german suplex and that's that's really what anyone will remember from that match so you know what hey you got a cool cool spot to make people remember it and the main event of the show the for the princess tag team titles we have new champions once again as the magical sugar rabbits have once again reclaimed the tag titles mizuki and yuka sakazaki defeating one two one million the team of maki ito and miyu yamashita in 16 minutes and seven seconds a to me kelly i don't know if you agree a shocking title change I definitely was not expecting the title change, but it sure makes sense if Miu is spending an extended period over here in the States, which kind of makes me think she might beat Athena. (laughs) You know, I had sort of created a headcanon, which with no proof of, but it's what I had thought, that they were going to, that Ito and Yamashita would retain they would stay in America for a bit and they would lose the titles to an American team. Oh. And that would be the next team to be like, oh, we have another like foreigner coming in. Oh, and it's this tag team of whoever, I don't know. Uh, I don't know any tag teams. Uh, Hurt Vixen <laughs> and, and uh, Billy Starks. <laughs> or, you know, 
Sandra Moore and Heather Monroe. There, I'm sure. Just throwing, I'm just throwing two names out there of women I know of. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. It totally makes sense to me thinking, okay, they want them back in uh, Tokyo. They want the titles back in Tokyo Joshi. But also very interesting. Now you've got somewhat, you know, it's like, well, yes, the titles are back. But if you were to do a show with all three titles, you can only do two titles because Mizuki's now got both. Yeah, that's true. So double champion Mizuki, Yuka. But Yuka is also staying at least for some amount of time. I think for a few extra, for another week or two or something, or a few extra days. So she's not going right back. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, she's going back a lot sooner than Miyu is, but it does also open up. Miyu could stay here for a very long time. Yes. Um, based on that. As really could Maki um, and do a lot of things. I know Maki Ito has a booking in GCW in the middle of May, May 21st or something like that. May 21st, 22nd. Um, but yeah, uh, what'd you think of the match itself? I thought it was great. Uh, I went four stars. This was, it felt like they were playing the hits. Like this was a very good match. They hit all their spots, but it didn't really offer anything new. But to like an audience that's just like, hey, I want to go there. I want to see Tokyo Joshi. I've never got a chance to see it. This is the perfect match. It gives you everything you want out of it. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 
10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, I agree. I also went four star. It it wasn't as high as I thought it could have gotten. Um, you know, I'm thinking of like the tag, um, the, the tournament final match, that tag match that mm-hmm. happened a, a little while back. That was really good. Like that was sort of my standard of like, oh, it could be this good. But I think you're totally right. You get in front of a new crowd and you want to do the, you know, you want to do the things everyone knows. You're obviously going to do cutest in the world, you know, whirling candy, which looked really good in this match and got a big um, reaction. And it was really a match held down. I mean, sort of logically knowing that Yuka had something else to do on this day, but really held down on the magical sugar rabbits and by Mizuki. Yeah. She really took the majority of the match. Um, But yeah, I thought a really good match, a good cap to the show. It was just sort of a... It was nice having watched so many other shows on this weekend with some um, limited exceptions that just feel like a cohesive show that isn't just sort of like, okay, we've got these 15 people. Let's just sort of, okay, you go here, you go here. Oh, this person's missing. Oh, it can be, you know, even on the DDT GCW show, they were supposed to have Higuchi and Blake Christian. And then it turned into starboard Charlie. And it just feels like sometimes those matches are just sort of like, yeah, who's ever around. Okay. It's the two of you. Like this to me felt like a show. That fucking Higuchi starboy Charlie match. I said if, if Higuchi lost, I was going to shit on the floor. And Higuchi had a lot of trouble putting that little nerd away. And I really thought I was just going to have to pull down my pants and shit on the floor. Well, it's good we were saved from that. Yep. Uh, and sorry to bring up a traumatic moment in your life. Um, so that was another yeah, I... show I was watching at work. And anyone that walked by and looked at the screen, they're like, who's this geek in the overalls? And I was like, hey, to one of my coworkers who watches AEW, I'm like, you see those signs where people like sign Stiver or Charlie? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, that's that nerd. And then he said his name should be Overall Stan. And I was like, sure. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, it just felt to me like an actual show as opposed to just a bunch of matches thrown together. Yes, no, it it was a, a cohesive whole, which was it was cool. It it was it was the perfect Tokyo Joshi experience. Like that's they they did a great job for all the the fans who have just never had a chance to go to a Tokyo Joshi show. But that was just the beginning of March thirty first. Also on March thirty first was GCW Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F which was main evented by a four-way tag team match. The team of Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay, and Marcus Mathers defeating uh, 
August Matthews and Davey Bang, the Bang Bros, CPF, Danny Black, and Joe Lando, as well as the team of Best Bros, Bali and Aki, and May Saruga in 19 minutes and 30 seconds. Kelly, what were your thoughts on this match? One of the uh, only, one of, or I guess one of the few, if you count Ring of Honor, appearances of Best Bros on this WrestleMania weekend. Yeah, first off, it's a goddamn shame that this is the only Best Bros match that we get all weekend. I know, I think they had another match, but I don't think it made tape anywhere. Like, I I feel like I heard them say that somewhere, so I don't know where it was, but this is the only thing we were able to see. And so it's like, fuck, come on, guys, book, book them. Second off, this match ruled. I loved this. Uh, just wild action from start to finish. Best Bros got so much shine here. Like, they definitely felt like the main characters of the match for a good chunk of it. The crowd was super into all their stuff. Uh, I would love to see Wasted Youth versus Best Bros in a straight uh, tag match because I am super high on the Wasted Youth team and even more so coming out of this weekend. So, like, overall, just a shockingly smooth kind of scramble match. I thought everyone in here was great. Like these are all teams I'm going to keep an eye on now for sure. I went four and a quarter on this. Uh, What about you? I really liked it as well. It was a match of the weekend. I think there was, I think something else had started or something. So it was sort of like overlapping. So I didn't have total focus. This was overlapping with Tokyo Joshi. Yes. And I think when Tokyo Joshi came on, I was like, okay, let's focus more on that. Um, I did really enjoy it. I do know, speaking of um, Best Bros, they did have a match at Beyond on the 26th. Oh, okay. Um, that must be what against I was thinking Becca of. and someone else, which I haven't watched yet. Um, but they've really gotten big in Beyond. They seem to be very well liked and booked a lot. Uh, and I think that they were told that they were booked on a Circle Six show and then showed up. And the actual booker was like, no, I have no record of you. And yeah, that so yeah, they got scammed. Like someone was pretending to be the booker and booked them for a show. And that fucking sucks. Yeah, especially for Circle Six. I also feel like saying to Circle Six, look, you have two people show <laughs> based on the number of Circle Six shows I watched this weekend. Like, just put these two in a match yeah. and give them, you know. But we did out of all marks. this. Get the amazing Mesa tweet where she said in all caps, America has happened to us. And fuck if that isn't one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I think Kelly and I know all too well about America when America happens to you. Man, uh, it's just you, you don't want it to happen to you. And then it does. Um, but I think best bros are. I think they're very good because they they have developed the sort of offense that very easily translates to, and sort of talking more about like these matches where they come somewhere and it's like, go out there and do a match and impress everyone. Like they have offense that easily translates to people being like, whoa, like that's really cool. Like the dolphin splash. Yes. Is that what it's called? The dolphin splash? Um, Like always looks really good. Um May during the match did that double clothesline, um, which was great. Um, so I think they, you know, pulled it off well on a show. 
you know, I watched all of the show that I thought was fairly poor. Um, overall, I thought this was one of the bigger highlights of the show. For sure. Um, but yeah, good, a good appearance. And hopefully it will lead to, you know, I guess, fingers crossed, maybe a, some GCW bookings or something or booking somewhere else because i think every time they've come out in america and done these tags as you can see in beyond that beyond keeps bringing them back they've impressed and people yeah, like them. and the yeah the crowd's super into them yeah and that happens at beyond where the crowd at beyond is very into them you know i didn't watch the match but i saw their tweets about their match on the 26th of beyond and people were like in the comments being like oh it was such a good match like Oh, I'm such a big fan now. So I think they're gaining gaining momentum, it feels like to me. Yeah, for sure. I think by give it a year and they'll be booked all over Mania Weekend. Also, I think, um, you know, obviously they're not going to book them as a um, tag, but Tony should maybe start booking May and Balian on Ring of Honor. Yes, 100%. The next match was at DDT versus GCW on March 31st. A singles match, Dark Sheik defeating Saki Akai in 7 minutes and 19 seconds. And Kelly, I have to be honest, I did watch this match and I have absolutely no memory of it. Uh, kind of sucked. <laughs> that's that's all I remember. I remember... Let me tell like, you one thing. I Dark Sheik controlled most of the match, which made me think that Saki Akai was going to eventually pull out the win, and then she didn't. And it kind of just made Saki look like shit. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> uh, I let, It's just weird. It's like, I, ha, I mean, I've had to have watched 200 matches this oh, weekend. yeah. So I'm like, nope, this one just sort of... Your brain was just like, not this one. My brain was like, you can't, I can't keep all of this. Um, and my memory of that DDT GCW show is the um, second gear crew. Um, yeah, that match. Hardcore rule. match, which was really good. <laughs> yeah, I know your brain was like, look, it's either I keep this match or your fourth grade English teacher's name. <laughs> and they're like, I think the English teacher is going to win out. I don't think you need this Saki Akai Dark Sheik match. As always, I told my brain, you cannot let go of Ryan Davidson. Yep. You can't let go of it. <laughs> It's got to stay. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, then you're losing this match. And that's what happens. Uh, the next match was from one of the biggest shows of the weekend, Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, a, another Ring of Honor women's world title match. Athena successfully defending her title against Yuka Sakazaki in 11 minutes and 38 seconds. Kelly, I'm very interested to hear what you thought about this Match, we haven't talked about Ring of Honor at all. Um, and I feel like I have strong feelings on this match, but I don't know if you have them as well. I thought this match was a disappointing 3.5 star match. I was hoping this was going to be a lot better, and it was kind of just, it was just good. Like, it was a good match. I thought it was, it was decent enough. I thought it was interesting to see Yuka playing the exact opposite role that she has been playing in her title matches as of late. Like this, this was definitely not Terminator Yuka. And so that was disappointing. I was really hoping she was just going to bring that kind of energy to this match and it'd just be her and Athena murdering each other. And I don't know. We, we kind of just got an okay match. 
Well, we're right in line. Uh, I probably would say the exact same thing. I thought it was a good match, but very dis- I mean, to me, very disappointing. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was a match where I was like, they could go out there and like throw bombs and it could be like four and a half stars and people could be like, whoa. And it was funny because in on the episode the prior day, you know, Yuga had come out and they had had sort of the pull apart brawl. Yeah, it didn't fit that at all. Where I had been like, oh, shit, they're going to like have this match and they're going to really fight each other. And then the match was not that at all. And it was it, sort of maybe like, Yuka oh. needed the pants back. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was in the gear. Yeah, uh, was was uh, full of the, the attitude. She but it put was just all sort of her of... aggression in those XXL pants. <laughs> it was just a match that I was like, OK, that was pretty good. But I know it could have been so much better. Mm hmm. Um, than it was. I mean, I think it was partially hurt that it was second on the main card, um, which was slightly lower than, you know. Or no, it was, it was third. It was after the uh, Lucha oh. match and the trios match. Oh. And but then it was it was oh, bef- okay. right before the TV title match. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's like, I would have thought, oh, maybe they want to do this early because it's sort of like, okay, the heel is winning. But then the rest of the show was very much a downer. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So it's not even like they were like, okay, we got to keep the happy moments for later because they didn't do that. Yeah, it was immediately Um, followed by Joe beating Mark Briscoe. (laughs) um, And... It's one of those things where I'm like, well, I guess it was early enough that maybe if, if it had been like third from the top, Maybe they would have felt more like, okay, let's go out here and like really go for it where they're closer to the beginning of the show where they're like, okay, we just want to go out, get people sort of like into it. But I don't know, you know, it was a combination of the pull apart, but also like the Athena Emi Sakura match, which I was like, whoa, this is really good. They're taking a lot of chances. And then this was just sort of like, okay, we're going to go out and like have a match. Yeah, no, it, it was, it was disappointing. Also on March 31st, Prestige Wrestling presented Nervous Breakdown 2 matches featuring Joshi Talon here. The first one, Taya Valkyrie, newly minted AEW superstar. Taya Valkyrie defeating Miyu Yamashita in 7 minutes and 34 seconds. The thing I have to say about this match, and I thought it for a long time, is that for some reason, the hit rate on that rope assisted kick that Miyu does when she's in the States is I, I almost have to believe it's less than 50%. Yeah. I I don't know if it's just different like ring ropes or what, but yeah, she slips a lot here. I don't know what it is, but it seems to happen a lot. It happened in this match. I mean, I thought the match up until that point was just fine. Um, It was just sort of a match to me. And but then that happens and it was very close to the finish. And it's just one of those things that's sort of very deflating mm-hmm. um, to me. That's sort of like, uh, like, oh, we were sort of getting the rhythm and there goes the rhythm. And then the match is over. Yeah. Um, so it was just a match that was just sort of mm, so so for me with a disappointing end. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a solid enough match. I'm not really much of a Taya fan, but I thought she did well here. I thought she worked well enough with Miu's style and didn't kind of clash or anything. 
Uh, pacing, I thought was pretty good. I thought the brawling on the floor worked. I was surprised that Miu lost. I wasn't expecting that. I think now that Ty is in AEW, I'm sure she's like, I'm never, I can never lose. You know, which makes yeah. sense. And Miu and Miu seems more than willing to lose matches. That's true. As we've demonstrated on this weekend. Uh, the other match on the Prestige Wrestling Show was a rare Aja Kong America appearance, defeating Masha Slamovich in eight minutes and 55 seconds. I thought this was a fun match. Nothing crazy or anything to write home to. Um, but I enjoyed it. Fun seeing Aja Kong. I know that Aja is going to be on the west coast pro show on april 7th so i know that she's hanging around for at least another week um to be on that show as well booked by chris hero um oh yeah that's right yeah uh but yeah a fun match nothing crazy i would say you know if you've seen if you've watched a lot of aja kong matches nothing to really go out of your way for but fun to see her in america had some fun stuff with the chairs at the at the beginning um but yeah fine match yeah uh like i said with the awry match that uh knee surgery and the time off has done wonders for aja kong she is just moving great in the ring i think uh i thought she looked great here and masha took a beating like a champ (laughs) she she i thought she did really well in this spot uh the match was sloppy but like in a way that made sense with what it was so it didn't detract from it at all. I I really enjoyed this. I actually went 3 and 3 quarters. Wow. Uh so liked it more than me. I probably would have been, you know, 3 and a quarter. Um something like that. But so maybe Kelly's saying maybe you should check it out. Yeah. Um, you know what she didn't have? She didn't have her tiny bin. She didn't, and the announcers did call that out. They said that she didn't bring the... Which did make me think of the conversation we had yep. in terms of where she gets them. Maybe not a place that is in America. Yeah. We'll see if uh, Chris Hero can wrangle up a bin for her in a week. Also, the last match on March 31st was as part of Joey Janela's Spring Break Number 7, A Dream, I guess. Tag team match. Um, depends on what part of a dream you've ever had. Um, the team of Bussy, Allie Catch, and Effie being defeated by the dream team of Maki Death Kill, or if you prefer, Murder Death Kawaii, Maki Ito and Nick Gage emerging victorious in 16 minutes and 7 seconds. I have to admit... Um, I do, rem- I do remember this match, but I had friends over for spring break. It is our tradition, um, and we drink foul alcohol, so I was consuming um, <laughs> pre-made Bahama Mamas Oh, um, that were so bad that we ended up putting um, jello in them to make them less foul. Um, but this match was late enough in the show that I had a couple Bahama Mamas in me, and was chomping on some jello. Um, so maybe the specifics of the match aren't all there for me, but I did really like this. I thought it was wild that is this the first Tokyo Joshi wrestler we've ever seen bleed? Uh, no, uh, Hikari has definitely bled before. Oh, you're right. 
You're totally right. I didn't even think about that. Because it was just wild. I was like, oh, they're going to do the pizza cutter with Maki and she's not going to bleed and it'll be fine. And then she was bleeding. I was like, oh, shit. Even though not as much as anyone else in the match. Um, think about how wild it is that three of the four people in this match bled and one of those people was not Nick Gage. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> Um, I really, I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed Maki getting her own decorated, uh, pizza cutter. That was as very well. cute. That was great. The you crowd, know what? I fucking, it is the cutest thing in the world with him, with Maki and Nick Gage coming to the ring. And when they're getting up on the chairs to pose, he holds her hand like she's a princess, and then he opens up the ropes for her to walk in. It is the cutest thing in the world. The cutest thing in the world, but not the cutest person in the world. That would be Maki Ito. Exactly. Um, You gotta do cute things for cute people. To me, this was very, on a spring break that didn't really feel like a spring break as someone who's watched all the spring breaks over the years this to me felt almost like the match that was most spring break yes like yeah you know i had zero bahama mamas in me i loved this match i went four stars on it it was everything it needed to be like they were i don't like bussy i think it's a bad team but they they were great here. They did everything they needed to do. It was it was the most crowd pleasing match you could get. It was everything I wanted out of this. I never expected Maki to bleed. Like this was great. I if you have any level of buy in on the Maki Death Kill team, I think you're gonna really enjoy this match. I was hoping that Maki would close by saying, "Where's my fucking gang at?" Um, that probably the only thing that fell short but i i also very much um enjoyed this match yeah this this was one of my favorites of the weekend and then the final match i put on here slightly as a joke but let's talk about it anyway wwe wrestlemania night one on april 1st a six-person tag team match becky lynch lita and trish stratus defeating the damage control team of bailey dakota kai and eo sky in 14 minutes and 38 seconds. I'm counting it as a Joshi match because Io Shirai is in it. Yeah. Um, Kelly, what did you think of this match? Sucked ass. This match was horrible. Lita should not be in a ring. Everyone had to do her offense for her, except for the moonsault, which I'm amazed she didn't murder die on. Like, she actually hit it pretty flush. Like, that's good for her. But man, this sucked. I hated this match. Yeah, I thought this was the worst match of the whole show. Okay, and you know what? Now that rumors are going around that Bailey's leaving, if that is true, she has made an enemy for life in me in that both Dakota Kai and Io were talked into staying around in this shit-ass company to be in her stable, and she's just going to leave? No. Enemy for life. Wow, you heard it here first. Well, we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah. But that was all the Joshi action. Just a few matches. Well, there's still um, there's still the Oscar match, but that has not happened when we're recording. Oh, that is true. Has not happened as of this recording. Um, you are totally right. Um, so one more. 
on this WrestleMania weekend. But what else has been happening? Maybe Joshi in Japan. Well, I'll tell you what's been happening. Stardom's been do- having a lot of matches. Um, Boy, let me have tell you. they. Starting out with, on March 25th, New Blood Premium, highlighted by a main event where Wakasukiyama proving Kelly wrong once and for all. I'm shocked. By picking up her first victory teaming with Tom Nakano, defeating Kyrie and Nane Takahashi. I thought the highlight of the show, um, my biggest thing on this show, and Kelly, I don't know if you agree, but I'm I'm pretty sure you will based on things you've said before. Aya, um, Aya Sakura debuting her first match ever, I believe, goes almost nine minutes with the champion of the company absurd great like am i crazy in thinking i was literally watching the match going what's happening i was like she's like getting all these near falls on julia i'm like what is going on she's never had a match before and julia's like oh god i'm struggling i'm struggling i'm like what the hell i mean the very next match which had hanako debuting at least was a tag match but that went almost 11 minutes i'm like this is the whole thing. It's exact. This is exactly leading into the thing I always say. Stardom now cannot allow anyone in this company. I mean, Miyu Amasaki going 13 minutes with Shuri. Yeah. This company, for some reason, cannot allow anyone at any moment to have any sort of weakness except as we talk about these shows and when we get to the last show, I'll make this point. They are on these very shows that they're doing all this shit, proving themselves wrong by one thing they're doing, and we will talk about that. Kelly, do you have any um, things you want to talk about from New Blood Premium? Do you want to talk about Sexy Dynamite Princess Well, or uh, the I'll, New Blood Tag Team title tournament? All I'll say is I have completely forgot to watch this show. <laughs> Wow. Oh my god. Yeah, no, uh, now now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh yeah. I was supposed to do that. <laughs> Whoops. Wow. A betrayal. <laughs> a, a betrayal of stardom. Whoopsie poopsie. Uh, well, anyway, but here's a show I know that Kelly did watch. Wait, okay, now I'm looking at the results. How's Cage Madge gonna unmask the sexy dynamite princess and not the super strong stardom big machine? Shoot that trash. Is a good that is a good question. I will say from the moment that Sexy Dynamite Princess came out, it was very obvious it was Mariah May because <laughs> all she was wearing was a little like Hyper Masao mask. <laughs> like Hyper Masao size mask, I should okay. say. Not a Hyper Masao mask because yeah. it was pink and it had blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, it was very obvious who it was from the first moment they appeared on screen. Okay. Um, sorry. Uh a show Kelly did watch, though, the 18-match Stardom Cinderella Tournament first round show from March 26th. Yep. Um, sure did watch that. Look, we're not going through all the... There's 18 matches. We're not going through all of them individually. Uh, many of them ending on draws. Um, we did see the debut of Xena. Warrior Kelly, what princess. did you... Kelly, what did you think about Xena? Uh, literally no thoughts. 
my my notes on the match in particular say could not bring myself to care about this one two stars. I at first thought Xena was like gonna be a character that Rena played. It was like their third sister. <laughs> um, Xena, I believe, is from Australia. Oh, um, all right. I believe. Um, but I now thought... she's one of Mina's women. Yeah, one of Mina's growing stable, as we'll talk about, of women Mina and Xena. Why is uh, Mina still listed as part of Cosmic Angels? Well, I think technically they are still part of Cosmic Angels. God, Cosmic Angels is out of control. They have too many people. Um, but the result, Waka Tsukiyama, Sai Ida, Amisore, um, all going through. Haruka Umasaki and Starlight Kid going to a draw. The first Zena. match that was any good on this show. And then it's like, all right, cool, draw. Thanks. I also have one thing, but I'll say Xena defeating Hina. Mariah May defeating Rina, Saki Kashima defeating Momo Kogo, New Gear, uh, Mirai yeah. defeating Hanan, Tekla defeating Koguma, Natsuka Tora defeating Ruaka, Suri defeating Tomoka and Naba, Azumi and Hazuki going to a draw, Mai Sakurai defeating Julia in a thing that I disagreed with because on every other match when they hit the floor together, it was a draw. That was. And on this one, they're like. It was because my Sakurai did it to Julia, but I'm like, no, 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 no. It was because her foot didn't touch. She left one foot up on the apron, so both of Julia's feet touched, and only one of Mai's did. I'm like, whatever. Like they did, uh, they did make it like they pointed out, like, look, her foot, it's there. She didn't fall, so Julia loses. So I, I was all right with that from that regard. All right. Well, Mina Shirakawa and Natsupoi went to a draw. Mayu Iwatani and Saya Kamatani went to a draw. Momo Watanabe defeated Mika. Nanai Takahashi and Utami went to a time limit draw in 10 minutes. And Tom Nakano defeated Himika. That was the first round. Um, it's sort of very hard to have a lot of thoughts about most matches that are going three minutes, frankly, to me. Despicable Tom takes away the Cinderella story that could have been Himika winning on her retirement road. They also had the second round and quarterfinals, I believe is what they were calling them on April 1st, Mirai beating Saida, Zena beating Tekla, Mai Sakurai beating my choice, Mariah May, Natsuko Tora beating Tom Nakano and Saki Kashima beating Suri. And then just Hours ago at Korokin Hall, Wakasukiyama beating Saki Kashima, Mirai beating Xena, Amisore beating Natsuka Tora, and Mai Sakurai beating Momo Watanabe. Also on that Korokin Hall show, Prominent successfully defending their trios titles, and Kairi announced officially that she will challenge Prominence for those titles on April 23rd. Teaming with Natsupoi and Sayori Ano will be appearing in stardom. That the big name that Kyrie was teasing. But my point I'm I was gonna make, and here's the point. Wakasukiyama is now in the, I guess you would call them the semifinals 
of this tournament. Waka Tsukiyama, a person who had lost 8 trillion matches before last week. And winning matches here, the crowd is behind her, the crowd is hyped about this. So this whole thing of like, oh, you can't lose or else the crowd's not going to be, you know, we can't have anyone lose because then they'll be totally destroyed, is being currently proven wrong by their own booking in Waka Tsukiyama losing every freaking match she's ever had and now is winning and the crowd loves her. It's just like a false thing. People can lose. It's fine. And if the crowd likes them or likes their character, they'll still like them if they lose a couple matches and then start winning again. Yeah. So I don't I, I don't I don't know what the fuck they're doing with this tournament. <laughs> I don't know. I saw people talking about it and they're like, oh, you know, maybe Waka will win and challenge for the future of stardom title. And I'm like, really? That's what we want to have happen in the Cinderella tournament? First of all, I think I think anyone who wins a tournament is stupid if they don't challenge for. Yes. I mean, I I guess I could see. We talked about that with the. um, Yeah. What was that? The Battle Royal where. Uh, Saki got whatever title shot she wanted. She's like, yeah, high speed title. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? I could even see, okay, white belt. I could see that, you know. All right, that's a top, one of the top titles. Not the, if I'm winning a tournament, I beat all these people by, often by luck or over the top rope or blah, blah, blah. I'm challenging for the red. I'm challenging Julia. Yeah. Also, Julia just got taken to nine minutes by a woman who's almost never wrestled before. Yeah, she got beat by my Sakurai. Like, come on, Julia's at her weakest right now. Get her. Uh, but anyway, that's what's been happening. In so, wait, who who do you oh. think wins? Who do you think wins this tournament now? Between I mean, Waka Sukiyama, Mirai, Amy Sore, and Mai Sakurai. Is it I Mai? Think, I, think, it... I, I think Ami Sore wins. Okay, I'm. I think maybe Mai, and then they do a match with Julia. Would they do that, though? Because Julia has been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Mai won the match at Corican and Julia was there being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess they could. Yeah, I mean, because then it's just like, hey, then there's no, like, lingering, oh, you know, Mai won, Mai beat you. She should get a title shot where it's just like, hey, let's, let's, I, I won the Cinderella. Let's just do this. Although technically she could lose and still might be like, oh, I beat you. Yeah. So... I don't know. It feels like Mirai winning two years in a row. I mean, they've never done a two-year-in-a-row winner. Have they? No. I don't... Uh, didn't uh, Mayu... Did she do two in a row? Back-to-back? Yeah, or am I just imagining that? Um, Is my memory bad? Let's see. Um tournaments because like i don't know i don't i feel like they i don't think mariah works like i don't i don't think she's top of the card really okay cinderella cinderella 2016 mayu cinderella 2017 um cinderella 2016 mayu cinderella 2017 tony storm 2018 Momo, 2019 Arisa Hoshiki, 2021 Saya, 
2022 Mirai. Although Mayu Iwatani won the Cinderella Champions Fiesta in 2015. That's probably what I'm thinking of. So that would have been back to back. But I think that was before it was. Um, yeah, I guess that was the first one. So yeah, Mayu has won two in a row, the first two, I guess. If that's what you're counting. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll see. So Man, I feel. What just, these results are just insane. <laughs> what else has been happening in Joshi and Ice Ribbon? The new tag team champions, Hamako Hoshi and Makoto, def- successfully defended their titles against Misa Kagura and Sumika Yanagawa um, on April 1st. Diana on March 24th had a visitor from stardom, Haruka Umasaki and Miyu Amasaki, defeating the team of Ayame Sasamura and Miran in the main event of that show on March 24th. Wave just a few hours ago had a hardcore match. I'm hoping to catch June Kasai and Saki going up against Asuka and Yuki Miyazaki. Um, June Kasai and Saki is such a weird team. (laughs) (laughs) Very different energy. Yes. Uh, But that is everything that's been happening in the last two weeks. What is upcoming? Stardom has a lot of small shows. They also have Sakura Genesis on um, April 8th. We'll see the IWGP Women's Championship defended in a three-way match. Mercedes Monet defending against Hazuki and AZM. Of course, AZM. The the thing that Mercedes definitely calls that wrestler on purpose because she's a heel. Um, All I'm saying, all I'm saying, is I think Mercedes was exposed in that moment as being a fake fan. That's right. We're gatekeeping, folks. I'm going to gatekeep Sasha Banks right back out of here into the WWF. Um, anyway, I won't go too far <laughs> into that because I don't want to be attacked by, uh, you know, everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> Stardom has a Cork and Hall show on April 14th. Uh, the main event, Azumi against Saki Kashima for the high-speed title. And there is another X for Club Venus. So Club another Venus woman? will be getting another woman for Mina's collection of women. Mina's got, um, she's got binders full of them at this point. Coming from all over the globe um, to wrestle for Club Venus. And then on the 15th is the Cinderella Tournament Finals, a non-tournament match, Suri against Konami in a singles yeah. match. And then the two semifinals matches will be Mirai against Amisore and Mai Sakurai versus Waka Tsukiyama. So that will determine. And then, of course, on that same night will be the final match between the winner of those two semifinals. Tokyo so I think Joshi. No matter, no matter who wins either of the two semifinals matches, you are going to get perhaps the single worst on paper main event for a big stardom show ever (laughs) yeah maybe yeah just in terms of like these are names that people would 
go see a show for. <laughs> like, no one's paying to go see Mirai versus Wakasukiyama. I'm sorry. Uh, well, Waka's very popular now that, you know. As, yeah, that's true. She's the people's she's the people's champion. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Joshi has a Cork and Hall show on April 15th. Two title matches there. Uh, Rika Tatsumi will defend her international princess title against the debuting Vert Vixen. And the main event of that show will be Mizuki making her first defense of her newly won Princess of Princess title against Free Wi-Fi's now Kakuda. So that will be coming up. Also coming up, Sendai Girls has a show on April 16th. The semi-main will be uh, Veni, as she is being billed, and Riko Kawahata tagging to take on Miyuki Takase and Mika Iwata, and the main event, Team 200 Kilogram, Chihiro Hashimoto, and you taking on Sayuri Ano and Mio Momono. So that should be a fun show as well. But that is everything coming up in the next two weeks. Uh, Joshi will have plenty to talk about on the next episode. But that is all for this special WrestleMania weekend episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. Kelly, anything to add? Uh, all I'll say is rest in peace to the Nintendo 3DS eShop. Great. And I will say um, we recently passed our three-year anniversary of the show. So as always, want to say thank you to everyone who listens to the show, whether you've been with us all three years or you just started recently. We very much appreciate you. And hope you will continue with us into the future for many more years. Yes, we do appreciate each and every one of you listeners. And there was a second when you said past, and I thought you were going to talk about someone that legitimately died, and I was going to sound like a real big asshole talking about my stupid video game thing dying. (laughs) No, don't worry. You are uh, safe for now. Um... (laughs) I sound like an asshole for different reasons. (laughs) But for Kelly, I am Taylor. This has been another episode of Jumping Bomb Audio, and we will talk to you again in two weeks. See you later. WrestleMania, baby. Woo! My name is Tyler Fornis, and I am one of the co-hosts of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy AEW podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. We take a broad-scope approach to the world of All Elite Wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW, are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s? Will there be a counterpunch? We talk about all of that and more on the good, the bad, and the hungry every week on the Voice of Wrestling Network.